This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, welcome to Bad Dad, Rad Dad, where we look for better dads one movie at a time. I'm Kylie. And I'm Elliot. And we're going to talk about one very special movie this week and then talk about how it makes us think of dads. And as always, dad is an energy, not a gender. Yeah, so very excited for this one. We're going to be deep diving on one of my personal favorite movies, but a movie that we really love. It's Beginners uh, from Mike Mills. But before we get into it, we have a very special guest with us today a Juno-nominated musician and a new friend and movie lover, Rich O'Coyne. Good to see you, friend. Thanks Good for being Good to see you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we met we met Rich actually through our buddy Jeremy from Sick Boy when we were out in Halifax just this past summer. Um, and he introduced us, and we just immediately had this connection over movies, and we got very quickly into the movie talk, which was really nice. And then we got to go see Nope together, which was also oh really God. fun. One of and my favorite movies of the year. So great. Mm-hmm. It was so good. But also, we very quickly realized you are the same kind of movie watcher that we are. You picked prime seats, and you like to stay through <laughs> the credits, and and uh, you had very insightful commentary on the trailers that were coming up in front of Nope. <laughs> And it just stuck with us and tickled us so much. So we were very excited to dive into a conversation with you about movies. Um, Likewise. Likewise. Nice. So yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna get into it, but before we do just a friendly reminder that this is a spoiler filled conversation. So we are going to be, as the name suggests, deep diving into beginners and everything about it. So if you haven't seen it really recommend you do, and then return to this episode Because, yeah, we are getting to the spoiler zone. (laughs) So, yeah, so we're watching Beginners. It came out in 2010. It's a comedy drama romance. It was written and directed by one of my favorite directors, Mike Mills. It stars Ewan McGregor as Oliver, Christopher Plummer as Hal, 
Melanie Laurent as Anna, uh, Gorn Vishnik as Andy, and Mary Page Keller as Georgia. The synopsis is, Oliver meets an irreverent and unpredictable Anna only months after his father, Hal Fields, has passed away. This new love floods Oliver with memories of his father, who, following the death of his wife of 44 years, came out of the closet at age 75 to live a full, energized, and wonderfully tumultuous, tumultuous gay life, which included a younger boyfriend. Before we get into the meat and potatoes, I'm just kind of curious as to our histories with the film. And I want to start with you, Rich. What's kind of your history with the film? First time you saw it, first impressions, things like that. Yeah, uh, I saw it right when it came out. I didn't go to it in the theaters, but I saw it on uh, rental. And I was already a big Mike Mills fan. I'd seen uh, his first film, Thumbsucker, already. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I, I first got into him because he made one of the greatest music documentaries of all time uh, for one of my favorite bands of all time uh, air and followed them around uh, for their first uh, North American tour. And I think it was like 98 and um, he made uh, and it's, I'm going to mess up the title, but it's like uh, eating, sleeping, uh, waiting, playing. And it's like the, uh, I, I think I've said one of those in the wrong order, but <laughs> it's just all the things you do on tour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and uh, and it was just so so nicely like edited and and it's a, amazing, you know, starting with watching his um, both air uh, stuff and other music related music videos, kind of in that same world of like Miguel Gondry and Spike Jones, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and then like seeing him just every five years just make a perfect movie (laughs) it's just like what a career it's just such a cool it's it's a i love those directors that don't have a high output and just like or like just take their time and 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 i i don't know how maybe he just does a lot of um commercial stuff or he's just sitting on a a gold mine of money from these amazing (laughs) indie films somehow. (laughs) But, uh, I, but it's amazing that, uh, the, the movies are like so curated and, and, and and nicely spaced out. Yeah. He picks his projects so beautifully. So like a couple weeks ago on our regular show, we watched, come on, well, we rewatched, come on. Yeah. I saw that on, uh, yeah, I saw that you guys did. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we kind of, I, I mean, me more specifically wax poetic about just how much Mike Mills means to me. And I think <laughs> mm-hmm. you put it really well that he just kind of pops up every handful of years and just puts out mm-hmm. a masterpiece. Yeah, it's um, amazing. And it's like, yeah, it just, it's similar to Spike Jones. And though Spike Jones was like, uh, he had like a hot couple years and then, and then was just like, I'm just gonna go back to commercial directing and yeah, you know, come back out of the woodwork to make uh, where the wild things are. But like, uh, and then her, like, holy, I love that movie so much. And then do like um, another jackass movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I will direct the most epic <laughs> intro to a movie uh, that is then filled with the stunts that will make you uh, feel like you've just been doing an ab workout for two hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're cringing so hard. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I loved, yeah, Mike Mills, uh, it's very similar kind of, um, workflow to those other, like, uh, music, music, uh, video directors, uh, school, uh, uh, directors, uh, and, and, and just like, I love, like, how you can see each one of his, like, four films 
just has gestated so long and it's like built on lots of uh, autobiographical um, stories that he's like, uh, you know, journaled and been like, I'll save that for the next movie sort of thing. Yeah, no, totally. And we haven't seen Thumbsucker yet. It's Oh, wow. I, I think I've seen it. Well, have you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure my photography and film teacher showed it to me in grade 10. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. I yeah, 2005. I have, I haven't I have not seen it. And that would make sense because that was two thousand five when I took that class. There you go. Yeah. I, Sounds like something that Mr. Boyd would yeah, show. It, yeah, it does. <laughs> but like I always kind of lumped it in until discovering more of Mike Mills's work. I always kind of lumped it in with like a I Heart Huckabees. Mm-hmm. And um oh, there's another one that kind of came out around that time with a similar kind of vibe and similar kind of artwork can't think of it right now but yeah i've definitely seen it i just looked at some some shots but it's been a really long time mm-hmm. yeah i'd like to revisit it because i just based on the ratings i've seen it's definitely not his strongest work but i'm i'm here for anything that he does and yeah it's a it's a it very impressive debut film mm-hmm. for sure yeah i mean in terms of beginners for us i don't think that we saw it when it first came out we're a little bit fuzzy on this too like i don't think, i don't remember seeing it in the theater i don't think we did um mm-hmm. But we watched it at home for the first time. And then one of our favorite theaters that doesn't exist here in Edmonton anymore, the Princess Theater, is like this old, very old theater that had like, it used to essentially do stage plays and then they converted it into a theater, which is really cool. But they used to have just a bucket of old movie posters that you could write, like kind of rifle mm. through and and take what you liked. And we we really liked Beginners. So we saw that one, we grabbed it, and it has been framed and is in the entryway of every house that we've ever lived in since, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> since then. So it's kind of the thing of like when we move in, the first thing is like we got to get the beginner's poster yeah. up because it's the yeah, first yeah. thing people will see when they <laughs> walk into our house. It feels like home once the beginner's poster is up. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that was kind of it. And yeah, as soon as we saw it, I mean, it really resonated for me and I just thought it was beautiful and like, didn't watch it all the time, but always like left a good amount of time in between rewatches to just kind of soak it in and let it wash over me kind of the same and let it hit me the same way it did the first time that we watched it or watched mm-hmm. it. And it was just, yeah, it's just a really important film and a really beautiful film and also just rife with dad stuff. So it's perfect for this show. <laughs> oh yeah. That's why I was, I was like, if, if we haven't, if you haven't talked about it, let's, let's do this one for sure. That's a great choice. Yes. Um, okay. Let's start getting into that meat, the aforementioned meat and potatoes. So I want to start kind of digging into things that we noticed um, when we're watching it. So Kylie and I rewatched it a couple of days ago and just so it could give us a little bit of time to sit with it. Um, but I'll kick things off with just the, the one of the first things that I noticed this time watching it is kind of the prominence and the importance of Arthur, the dog in, in mm-hmm. this. <laughs> um, like I love that. I mean, I love the device of Oliver talking to Arthur like a person. And I mean, from that first time that he brings Arthur to his home and is giving him the tour and Arthur is just very compliant and just following him around (laughs) and just kind of almost seems to give like a bit of a nod of like, yeah, this is the kitchen. This is this is the bedroom. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that they give Arthur subtitles and subsequences and then later in the film after we've met Anna, Anna kind of relays to Oliver that that Arthur said something to her. 
and <laughs> and then he's like you hear you hear him too <laughs> so <laughs> i i, I kind of love that but then i also love that arthur is this important piece of hal oliver's dad that he can't let go and arthur almost won't let him go like whenever he tries to leave him at home or tries to leave him with his friend elliot arthur just starts whining immediately and and it also seems like Oliver doesn't want to let that go because mm-hmm. it's a piece of his dad and it doesn't happen until he leaves Arthur with Andy, who is Hal's partner and and who is also another another piece, if not one of the last pieces of his dad um, before mm-hmm. he died. So that just like really, that really sat with me. And I thought that was I, like, I always liked that device of Arthur being a little bit more anthropomorphic, but I thought it was just kind of, I found it really beautiful in this time and really it hit me a lot more emotionally just that he's a representation of this piece of his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than just a uh, save the cat, save the dog, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, I, I really, uh, I, I, I thought it, I, you can kind of look at all those little vignettes they have when he, when he's saying like, this is the earth, this is the sun. And this mm-hmm. is what the president looked like in this year. Like, all those uh, moments almost seem like he's narrating to uh, to Arthur than, mm. than to us, the audience. Mm. Yeah, through that. Mm-hmm. I really noticed Arthur this time, too. And I think it might be because this is a sad story that Elliot knows, but Rich, you do not. Um, my mom's cat, very unexpectedly, they found out that she has cancer. And mm. my mom's in the process of deciding when the time to put her down will be. <laughs> and my mom said to me, very very like it heart broke my heart she said i've never lived alone and she's always had either a cat or a child in her house yeah and arthur as this this living creature that helps oliver grieve like he's not alone when arthur's there and it's mm-hmm. like you said elliot mm-hmm. he doesn't want oliver doesn't want to let him go just as much as arthur doesn't want to be alone and it's really that moment when Oliver leaves Arthur with Andy is like an acceptance of his father's death. Yeah. When he hugs mm. Andy and Andy says like, is it because I'm gay? Andy's very concerned that everyone <laughs> hates him because he's gay. <laughs> and when Oliver says, no, it's because he loved you so much. And it's like, he can finally accept the death, accept the grief and, and let Arthur be with him too. It's yeah. really beautifully done. Like at first it just seems like Arthur's this quirky little device, but Actually, I think he's the heart of the journey of grief. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really true. Like, especially, I really, I really like that. Think thinking about that moment when he's leaving because he is so. Like, Oliver is so. It gets to a point where he's resistant to leave Arthur behind at all, and then mm-hmm. that moment when he leaves him with Andy, it takes him a long time to walk to his car, and then he's in his car. It takes him a while to start his car because he's li- mm-hmm. still listening for Arthur. And then when the the whining never comes, then he's like, yeah, it's kind of this acceptance of like moving into the next stage mm-hmm. of grief, like maybe not necessarily getting over grief, but moving into that next stage of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you can live with the grief, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goddamn. Mike Mills. <laughs> yeah. So good. Cause, yeah. Because yeah, in the first meeting with Arthur or the first time they're like interacting, it's so formal the way he's talking to <laughs> so him. He's like, formal. And, and 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 so you see over the movie he like loves this dog mm-hmm. and in the same way that yeah uh when he's um finally kind of like revealing like it's because my dad loved you so much he's kind of opens up 
for the first time in the way that it, it's he's only opened up to this dog so far. Mm. And now he's like, all right, I can do this for other things and not be jealous of like, I, I kind of had the sense uh, rewatching it um, with all the flashbacks, like the, the movie take, takes place in these three time periods. And one of them is in these like flashbacks and it's always his, his uh, boyhood, like interaction with his mom mm-hmm. and the dad's always, absent and that kind of made me feel like his his dad was just being like a workaholic and just mm-hmm. kind of losing himself in that to like avoid the pain of you know not getting to live his true self and and so then you know Oliver has this like weight of you know not having you know could have this like jealousy to his um his dad's partner because of them having this love that he's like well, why did it, why did I not have this like growing up sort of thing and Mm. um uh they're they're, that their whole kind of backstory looks very complicated and uh and he seems like they have a a, a, like a an understanding and a love for one another but still this like distance that uh that they're only kind of like coming to terms with and like overcoming in the final stages of Hal's life yeah yeah and i was like thinking about that too something something i noticed was that hal seems to be a creature of habit when he when we do the flashbacks to when oliver was young there there's a sequence where it's just hal leaving the house and like kissing his mom goodbye over and over and over again very dispassionately though like that's what i get from that moment right yeah um and then it when we're when we jump to the future and hal is like taking his medication and he like Mm. dings the glasses or he he always like says hello to his house and (laughs) and and stuff like that (laughs) like it seems like hal has a very regimented life and there's not really much that can interrupt that like even Mm. when oliver when when hal's up in the middle of the night rearranging the bookshelf or whatever oliver's like what are you doing like (laughs) go go to sleep yeah but it seems but it seems like how like we'll hear none of it like it it, Mm -hmm. he very much marches to the beat of his own drum and doesn't let anybody get in the way of that like there's definitely the people around him that he loves or cares about and wants in his life but he's very set in his ways Mm -hmm. and i i i really yeah i really noticed that this time and then yeah with what with what you were saying, Rich, I think that that just kind of feeds into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys though, because um, I I really I really liked you know something something else was like the reality and the charm of the things that we get from our parents and that we remember and want to share with others. Like I something I really like in this film is like he picked up from his mom the U point all drive. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That was great. and then I he, bet that's I bet that's real too. Oh, I, I, haven't fi- I didn't <laughs> find any trivia set, you know confirming that but i would i'd be very shocked if it wasn't a real thing mm-hmm. yeah but it's so cute and even like he does the like hello how hello house hello mm-hmm. oliver like his dad does yeah and i find that like i found those so charming but i was curious like i really like that idea of those little things we pick up from our parents or the people that raised us that we find kind of charming and endearing that we then take into later into our lives to share with the people that we love and care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if you guys have any of that, that you can think of that you got from your parents. Like for me, something that I know that you hate is that I do a lot of like, 
I do a lot of what I'll call jokes of like I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> say what I'll call jokes is a great lead up <laughs> well, with, with a with a great quotation air quotes <laughs> like I'll say something that is not true and I'll say it very deadpan and like it'll be like uh, did you know that this thing isn't real and you'll and you'll be like are you serious I'm like no <laughs> you know it's funny that was my dad's favorite thing to do what like that was his that was his joke. Yeah, that, my dad too. I th- it must Dads. be maybe it's just a dad thing. My dad did not do that. That's all I have to say. Oh, he loved doing that. Like it was his favorite joke to do. Is just like just say it so deadpan, and then you're, and then, and then it would just be. He would hold on to it for like ten seconds, and then be like, "Nah, I'm just kidding." Yeah. <laughs> like and and really like I even know it's not funny. Like it's it's not a good bit. It's not it's not hilarious, but. There's some part of me that I grew up with that, with my dad yeah. always doing that, that I just enjoyed the like, yeah, that 10 seconds of, do you believe me? Yeah, it's because like, it's, it's not like they, true. it's like he heard the first half of The Boy Who Cried Wolf and then didn't hear the second <laughs> half. And he's like, this is a great story. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to gaslight people for 10 seconds at a time. <laughs> About things that matter not at all. Yeah, very inconsequential. <laughs> yeah, it's not even it's not even like gas, like real gas. It's just like a little bit of like a bic lighter. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes. It's so good. Is there anything you guys can think of that you have similarly? It's okay if you don't. Oh, mine is so silly because it's not fun, but I remember after Elliot, you and I first moved out, I would always Saw meat when we still ate meat in the microwave i would just put it in the microwave and i think one day you asked me why do you do that and i was like i don't know my mom did it so i asked her i'm like why did you do it and she's like well the cat wouldn't get at it and i was like okay well that works we have a cat (laughs) yeah and to like be clear it's like it wasn't turning on the microwave no it's just just setting it in the the microwave yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i'm pretty sure you do it now too yeah i don't and probably because i did it and i'm the one who cooks (laughs) it's so silly so not a f- not fun, but, but funny. But it's just like one of those things that you picked up from your parents. And you just naturally do it because it you grew up with it. Yeah, Rich, mm-hmm. it seems like you had a good one. Uh, I mean, I I'm probably going to do the thing a couple days from now and be like, ah, this is what I should have <laughs> said. <laughs> but uh, I don't. I I mean, I've definitely done it a few times, but uh. Maybe maybe it kicks in later in life the uh, the 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 little white lies uh, dadisms. Uh, so like when you said that like that yeah like that's like one of my clearest memories of of dad having fun. But I de- I I'm trying to think of like okay so to flip it from like the the cute little things like it's it's interesting the movie's also like uh, showing that the things that our parents passed down to mm-hmm. us you know, can be detrimental in the, in the way that like he, mm-hmm. he isn't ready to, to take the chance on love. Cause he's always uh, afraid it's not going to work out because it, he didn't grow up in a loving, like mm-hmm. he a, grew up in a, in a, in a pseudo loving relationship. So therefore he like, um, uh, you know, that's his like big character arc, figuring out that he's going to have that courage, but, but it is also, he gets the courage because he finally sees his dad. Mm-hmm having the courage at at 75 to come out and and like be the person i i i 
I I, I could have sworn the tagline for this movie was, and I couldn't find it anywhere. But I was like, I could have like if someone was like, "What's the tagline to Beginners?" and I I would have been like, "It's never too late to be who you are." <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like nowhere on the internet that the tagline but uh but i like i love that was always my impression like the first time i saw it and like and through this action uh his dad is finally able to kind of you know lead by the example for him to take the same uh kind of approach with not running away from this uh, new relationship and it's kind of that almost like last scene confirming like when they're reading his his ad in the paper and you know earlier in the movie he's like scoffing at the idea of putting Mm -hmm. an ad in the paper to meet someone and then he's just like well dad just went for it and that's amazing and and you know there's those lines like like there's so many perfect lines in this movie that and Mm -hmm. they're all like jenga pieces putting this story together like he's like you uh when his dad's lamenting about not being able to meet anyone and he's like you have it so easy mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like he's like you're so young like in your 30s and mm-hmm. uh and uh and and, the, and there's kind of like those moments where those those memories echo and and then he like gets that bit of courage to get deeper into this new relationship i like that you brought that up that because this is one of the things that i noticed watching it this time and it might be because I just recently uh, taught two classes where I did Life of Pi, and I focus a lot on perception and the subject subjective nature of perception. But that mm-hmm. really stood out to me this time around that so much of this film hinges not on the love story, but on the way we remember and misremember. Mm-hmm. Like I was really drawn this time around to that scene where he talks about remembering his dad telling him he's gay and be and wearing a purple sweater but he was wearing yeah. a robe and we we hear Hal say I'm gay three different times I think yeah yeah and in three different outfits in three different outfits mm-hmm. and I think this film does such a great job of showing how we do carry on these quirky and loving and connective parts of our parents but we also carry with us the environments we were raised in and the mm-hmm. idiosyncrasies like you said rich to our detriment from mm-hmm. our parents and it's all mixed up in the memory of it mm-hmm. and how like the now and the then mix yeah. together. And I think and that's, that's what's compelling. Yeah. And that's why throughout the movie, there's this wonderful, playful vandalism taking place <laughs> where they go around doing quote, historical consciousness graffiti <laughs> and just like it. I love, I love when a movie has, like these like little idea these like ideas in it that like kind of almost like the, this like reoccurring thing like the gnome and uh emily mm-hmm. but like that it's like this is like so integral to what you're talking about this like remembering and like and and keeping memories like almost like tattoos of mm. of history and, and and that they're just tattooing these buildings with uh mm. These amazing, like, and, and just like the 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 four or five that we get in the movie are just perfect. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> it's so good. like, you know, everything from uh, serious stuff to um, you know, Britney Spears was the most googled search in two thousand three. <laughs> I'm gonna remember that now. <laughs> yeah, or like nineteen eighty three, Chicken McNuggets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, yeah. that that's so good. I really like how you put that. That was mm-hmm. great. I wanted to um 
I wanted to circle back to something you started touching on, Rich, was the the visual storytelling with stills in oh, this film. So good. Like, so good. That is probably like number one thing that I took away from it the very first time. Mm-hmm. Um I really love it as a device. And like, yeah, the whole like this is what the sky looked like in nineteen sixty-five. This is what it looks like now. This is the president. This is the president. This is what love looked like. Um and it's such a simple device, but it's done so effectively. And mm. I think what adds to it is the voiceover and the approach to the voiceover that Ewan McGregor has mm-hmm. um, to it. Because it starts very kind of like fun and quirky, but then it eventually devolves to like, this is where my dad had to hide to have sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, during this time. And like, this is what happened to gay men during this time. Like mm-hmm. the whole, but like the whole time, it's very earnest. And I also liked that you if I'm understanding what you said correctly, Rich is like, it's almost like Oliver explaining it to Arthur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels like, cause if it, it's the continuation of him kind of like introducing Arthur to all this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and like, I, I feel like it's more like to him than, than we're just kind of the fly on the wall watching, watching this, this, this man, uh, narrate his existence <laughs> to a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, and it's, it's nice because it, with a dog or like i love that idea of like you know if you were to describe you know science fiction can have a, a lot of fun with it like when you have like an alien character like uh mm. uh like mm-hmm. when you have elliot taking uh et around and and you've got this wonderful ability through uh with this with this foreign character to get to describe everything in like the most uh, rudimentary terms and it's such a beautiful way to talk about the earth and existence mm. in a yeah it's yeah you're right like it is this very kind of very simple childlike sort of explanation of things that's just very direct and very clear mm-hmm. and like just lays it out on the table this is what it is but it's a great device because it starts I mean, Mike Mills is being very clever here um, (laughs) because he introduces us to this device in such a literal way, right? These are the stars. This is the president. Mm -hmm. So that when it gets to the point and the one that always like sinks my heart is the, his, like when he talks about his dad being afraid to lose everything. And then he says, and this was everything. Yeah. And we see that flash. And by first being shown this in such a literal way, we're primed to understand what he's doing so that when he becomes much more symbolic and much more like when it's shown through images what he's trying to say instead of pairing a direct word with a direct image we get it Mm -hmm. and it's so much more effective than trying to put a monologue onto what his dad was afraid of losing yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and and it's and it's interesting though some of those images that he uses in the uh this is everything come up later when when he's working on the album, the very mm. ambitious album artwork for the band The Sads. <laughs> the history of sadness. <laughs> I, I find that so funny because everything that he comes up with for the band is so good. And, it, and just over the top. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like definitely probably blows the budget for they yeah, just wanted yeah. portraits yeah. or whatever yeah. but what yeah. he comes up with is way fucking cooler and then in the end yeah. for them to just be like we just want portraits we're gonna walk yeah but thank you <laughs> i like to joke I, that elliot likes this movie because he's an art director and he's lived that moment yeah. so many times oh, man. The, the, the whole managing client expectations but wanting to do something cooler but then shutting it or shooting it down 
It's your life. It's my life, and it's a little bit too real. <laughs> I, f- I feel like it probably also is very autobiographical on Mike Mills, who's done so much like commercial work that mm-hmm. uh, that uh, I read in an interview uh, that with Mike Mills about this movie, and he, this movie was uh, about his his actual story growing up uh, and about his father. And at one point, he said, "You know, like." don't make this about you don't and he's like i could hear my dad's voice saying that (laughs) uh of like of servicing like the idea i heard that i read that quote and then and then i saw that amazing scene and the the, just the like the look on the van the the whole scene so perfect with the band just being like overwhelmed and like it's like you made a masterpiece but we just want portraits (laughs) and and i i bet he like you know in if if you were working on like some you know you know, music video or, or commercial for like a a car company at the time when your dad was dying and you Mm -hmm. kind of were like, I'm going to make this bigger than this car commercial. It's going to be both the history of sadness. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, Oh dear, this is, we, we need you to just stick to the uh, task at hand here. And, and that's what he's, he's like kind of through his work, he's like grieving and kind of just doing more, way more work than necessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, and kind of like losing sight of like the goal and, and or the like, you know, project at hand. When we see that. So I feel like, again, this this film can be so, I think, written off as just like a quirky romance movie. And to me, that's not even the point of the film. It's so mm-hmm. much about how we grieve and how we honor oh, yeah. our parents. And yeah. we see Oliver struggling to grieve so mm-hmm prominently throughout this like throughout the time when his dad is still alive but is dying and then after his father has died and as someone who like did the best i ever did in university the semester my dad died (laughs) i can relate (laughs) um because it was easier to do that than to grieve yeah yeah because when we first see him he's he's like just just not seeing anyone and then his friends drag him out to a party and then and then begins the like getting lost in work phase uh, before the 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 phases uh, and the relationship and the Arthur relationship and everything. Well, it seems like even Anna is dealing with her own dad stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, it and it, it seems like there's an element of grief there too. Like she doesn't really seem to have a home, and she's kind of flitting from job to job, and doesn't even spend a lot of time in her New York apartment that she has. Like she's just living in hotels, and she kind of even speaks to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's she's going through her own kind of form of grief with just whatever is going on with her and her relationship with her dad. So I love how much weight they gave to that without even it having a ton of time screen mm-hmm. time. But like it felt really three dimensional and and another like, you know, angle of grief through a living relationship as opposed yeah. to uh, another mm-hmm. uh, dead dad club uh, member. And yeah. it adds dimension i think to the time that oliver spends with hal pre his death Mm -hmm. because both anna and oliver are expected to take care of their parents in different ways seems Mm -hmm. like anna is very much expected to do it emotionally yeah and oliver is very much expected to do it physically right like and Mm -hmm. and he's like his dad's secret keeper right like he he really muses on that um is it let's not tell anyone about this just yet? Is that the line? Let's not rush out and mm-hmm. tell everyone. Let's not rush. Yeah, that yeah. one. And you see this. Yeah, I don't know. It. I agree with you that it just, it's done so quickly and yet with such weight. 
as to add to the overall themes of the film in a really amazing way this is probably getting into like the the next piece and the piece i'm going to talk about the the most that that i took away from this but yeah just like so much um is being thrust on both anna and oliver in this film from their parents like it's suggested that anna's dad is suicidal and he's putting it on anna to talk him down or to help him avoid doing that and then Hal is putting on Oliver to just let him do what he wants to do and to facilitate all those things. And then, yeah, like don't tell people these things or tell, or tell Andy this for me Mm -hmm. Um, or don't tell Andy this for me and, you know, handle all of this stuff. Even if it's not spoken on screen or anything like that, there's an expectation Hal has for how Oliver can help him out and help just feed the whims of this new lifestyle that Hal wants to have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that that's a lot. That's a lot mm-hmm. to throw on, especially an adult child that has a career and is trying to navigate life themselves. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. Yeah, but I uh, I guess that uh, the last thing I wanted to I wanted to chat about uh, was just how much I love the music for this movie. Well, oh, you stole it from mm-hmm. me. <laughs> I'm the one who plays piano. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, all the like piano based jazz. Oh yeah. Soundtrack in this is just pitch perfect. It's so mm-hmm. good. And like the beginner's theme itself by Brian Rutzel, Dave Palmer, Roger Neal, gorgeous. Every time mm-hmm. I watch this movie, I'm like, right, I play piano. <laughs> and I, I have I like I think the last time we watched it, I printed out the sheet music and then re- remembered that I know how to play piano and like playing piano for a while. And I'm mm-hmm. it's back in my brain to like Amazing. Open up the piano <laughs> and start yeah. playing it again. Um, you're a musician. Do you like the piano? Oh, in man. This? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, if if you if the director comes from you know uh, mm-hmm. music documentaries and music videos, uh, chances are they've probably got some good taste in uh, in music, and 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 all his films have just great, great. Uh, everything from the scores and them to the um, music supervision, like mm-hmm. they somehow pull out all these, these amazing placements and, and the, the music's, the music's great in it too. I, I was noticing it more in this watching of it. I've actually, this was only my second time ever seeing it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I saw it when it came out and then like, it was interesting. I think I watched it, you know, months before my dad died. Mm-hmm. And so it was like interesting to kind of have this, very similar life version of it play out mm-hmm. uh, after and and have and I guess that's like you know what storytelling and movies prepare us for is like having in the same way as dreams and everything of like uh, playing out realities uh, that then w- when we experience them we're more ready for them I guess I it it, it was. It was interesting having. Uh, I know we're supposed to be talking about music right now. But <laughs> I, Dead Dad Talk always welcome. <laughs> but but yeah, I but it's like all those like things of like you know turning the living room into mm. your deathbed, and like mm. you know staying there late at night and and uh, taking care of them uh, in a in a nursing kind of sense, and 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 and, and those kind of conversations. The movie did have this like more beautiful like kind of romanticized mm-hmm. version of like what i hope anyone who is in a situation like that gets to have where you get to have these really profound like end of life like 
oh, let's just get real because what what is there after this? These are our last conversations. Um, and I got I got like a couple of them, but but the chemo uh, wasn't was like making him a little more tired and like uh like less lucid to have the thing so when when there's that moment where he's like waking up in the hospital and he's like a little confused and he's like what's that painting on the wall and he's like oh it's just a painting and and then he's like what are these photos and and they're like they're just photos and he's like but what's it have to do with the exhibition Mm. and that was like such a perfect line like that that sort of stuff I heard so many times of like where that kind of like waking up with that disorientation of of him just immediately in the sense of Hal in the movie going back to his like um museum life and so he's like this has to be something to do with that and not me being in the hospital because I'm dealing with cancer right now Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so I I I thought the and, and the music was like really perfectly like emotional in all these moments but never got in the way like so even this time watching it like I like other than the like cello uh Bach piece (laughs) like I I I really I I I I, like clocked it but I a lot of the time I I was so like invested in the movie that I didn't uh wasn't even really registering the themes like I'm 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 gonna have to listen to it (laughs) on the Mm -hmm. uh on the sound like the soundtrack uh, playlist uh, afterwards to really be like, Oh yeah, that was in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like how you put that though. And I, cause I think it's so true of the music does allow for a lot of space. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like there is kind of like the main beginners theme suite that kind of reoccurs throughout the film, but sometimes it has, it's a little bit more jaunty. Sometimes mm-hmm. it really slows down and gets really tender and, and, and soft and, Again, and it's in those moments that allow those moments to breathe and gives them appropriate space. Uh, it's it's a beautiful piece of music, and the fact that it can be so dynamic and flexible for where it's placed is really gorgeous. Yeah, it simultaneously captures the melancholy of the film, but also that like spirit of like hopeful love and connection, mm-hmm. and that those things persist across time, across memory, across mm-hmm. life and death. Um, and it captures both of those things at once, the like bittersweet melancholy of that. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so good. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like it's like music that um music that uh is almost like a gestalt drawing where it can go mm. either way, mm-hmm. uh, depending mm-hmm. on what your mood is. Uh you listen into it one way and, and you're like, This is a really pretty piece of music and you mm-hmm. listen to it with like this event just happened and you're like, this is so sad for some yeah, reason. And now I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. No, big time. Well, yeah. I will share a, a quick little story though, is that after I saw this movie, I was, I really loved all of the old timey kind of jazz music. Mm-hmm. And a lot oh, no. of it was I from, a lot of it was from the artist Jelly Roll Martin, Morton. And I just like went in and started like downloading a bunch of his stuff and listening to his stuff on repeat, but it made its way onto some shared playlists of Kylie and and mine. So Kylie would be like listening to her, like let's drive to work and kind of get pumped up mix. And then all of a sudden there's some Jelly Roll Morton in there. And she's like, God damn Jelly Roll Morton. Get out of here. (laughs) Also because like the name. So I just, it's not like I dislike Jelly Roll Morton, but when you're listening to like rural Alberta advantage on the winter minus 30 drive from Edmonton to Leduc. And then all of a sudden Jelly Roll Morton kicks in. 
Yeah, there's a time time and a place for Jelly Roll Morton. Yeah, and my drive to and from work is not it. So yeah, Yeah. Jelly Jelly Roll Morton. Yeah, a lot a lot of the pieces in this movie have that kind of like opening scene from Up vibe (laughs) (laughs) of music. (laughs) It's just like you're just like, oh dear, it's gonna start crying. (laughs) Oh man. Okay, great. Uh, I'm ready to transition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right <laughs> into what the what stuck with you piece and for me like it there was a pretty clear thing that rose to the surface for me uh of what struck me this particular time and that was the weight that was on oliver's shoulders his whole life um i kind of hinted at this already but in thinking about it i mean there's the things that i've already kind of mentioned of just what how put onto oliver to take care of and to look after and even even thinking about the, the the movie really frames death in very beautiful and very like it kind of makes it very glossy like kind of what you were saying rich like especially in the opening scene where we see like the the empty living room and all the trash bags on the on the driveway and Oliver taking Arthur home and stuff. But then later on, we get another one of those series of stills where it's like, when somebody dies, you need to yeah, do this, get the death certificate, yeah. cancel all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all of that. But then also thinking about the fact that Oliver was an only child. And when his when he was young in all of the flashbacks that we see, he spends a lot of time with his mom, who his mom, again, thrusts a lot onto him because her husband is both absent, but we also kind of come to understand that she also understood that he was gay. Mm -hmm. So while they may have been friends, um, it seems like they had drifted. So I feel like in the scenes, the few scenes we get between Oliver and his mom, it seems like there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of filling in for his dad that Oliver has to do and taking on a lot of the emotional labor and, Mm. find and and taking on the the, almost like the partner balance between him and his mom which is a lot and to like take that through assuming through his whole life up until she passed and then now shouldering this transition in his dad's life that's that's a lot and being an only Mm. child it's all on him there's not there's no one else that can take on that responsibility that he does so that was that was a big piece for me yeah it's it's interesting because I, I can tell, Elliot, through all of what we've talked about so far that that has been the thing you took away this time. And I think that this film captures so well Oliver's inspiration by his dad's sudden change in who he is, as well as the burden of that. Mm-hmm. And what I was really stuck with was um, when Hal says... I don't just want to be theoretically gay. I want to do something about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a great line. <laughs> and it was the, I want to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I just was really drawn to that line this time. And I think, I don't know if that's just where I'm at in life, that it's, mm-hmm. that it's, I mean, it's your, your uh, tagline you came up with. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> it's never too late. To, <laughs> to be who you To be you, who you are. are. But I think also this film, it brings up that idea that it's just, it's, never too late to do something about it about anything whether that it's never too late to write the book or mm-hmm. kiss the person or whatever it yeah. might be right and i i think that the character of hal's determination to like build this new life for himself and i read um 
that Christopher Plummer was really drawn to this character because he said that Mike Mills wrote the character without the character having any self pity. Mm-hmm. And that's what he liked about the character. And I, I really picked up on that. Like Hal has no pity or anger for the 75 years of his life prior. Mm-hmm. He's aware of it and the reality of it. And he's ready to grab the things he's longed for and wanted without being like, I think, um, I don't know, Rich, if you've seen the film sound of metal. Oh, I love sound of metal. It's a, Terrifying masterpiece. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember when Elliot and I watched that for the first time. And Elliot, you you're so not an angry, violent person. And when Ruben is just destroying all of the stuff in his RV, you said I would too. And I'm like, oh, even <laughs> 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 musicians, the idea of not being able to hear anymore. But yeah, you know, in Sound of Metal, which is a film I teach in my uh, grade twelve classes, we focus so much on how Ruben can't let go of what has happened, and he can't let go of mm-hmm. wasted time and. Hal is not that character. Like he mm-hmm. can let that go and start anew. And I just think it's so captured in that beautiful line of I want to do something about it. And I yeah, it just even though that's very early on in the film, I Yeah. I'm yeah, keeping if, that. If this movie was Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> then there's a prequel trilogy of what made Hal mm. like become the 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 person to uh to uh, finally, like, make that, like, because uh, it's like his dad's journey's already happened mm-hmm. when we start the movie, and mm. and now it's about his his son's journey, and and mm-hmm. and and through his dad's actions, like, you know, very pr- parallel to Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of kind of has a has a uh, though though he 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 uh, I guess in the Star Wars it's the son helps the father become who he becomes uh, rather than <laughs> the other way, way around. Other way around. I love that but, you're connecting this to Star Wars. <laughs> it's really good. Really, uh, any conversation I have is ma- in a matter of time goes back to Star Wars. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I love like, I mean, yeah, like as you said there, I, I think the, yeah, the movie, the big takeaways that it's like all about courage and mm-hmm. uh, it reminded me a lot of, you know, those, um, Bronny uh wears uh five top five regrets of the dying mm. Bronny uh, Ware was this uh palliative care nurse and uh she wrote this book on on what she's like learned from observing so many people on their deathbeds and the the number one thing was uh you know I want to I want to have the courage to live the life I want uh, of who I am and, and 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 not what others expect of me sort of thing and and and, and the, the other four are all in this movie as well like I, I feel like without it being very formally structured it, the movie really takes on those like important values of what, what it is to live like the the good life sort mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. yeah. and uh and yeah and just like that the the characters that that was kind of like my biggest takeaway this time it was interesting the movie was actually largely shot in chronological order mm. so it kind of had that that nice like progression the the i i really want to go back and reread um the velveteen rabbit because i love yeah. that that little section where they're they're talking about what is real and uh and 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 being real i guess is the being loved and 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 that's the story of of the velveteen rabbit and and wanting like even the loss there's the like you know going going the distance you know we're just gonna bring in all these movies you know (laughs) (laughs) just get all rocky here um but uh 
yeah i love i love i love just just a it's it's just such a well laid out story about characters living living their their kind of their best life uh and 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 I like that there's no like kind of there's no villains and there's no mm. like everyone's like supporting one another. There's no one like at odds with one another. It's just it's just hard to live an authentic mm. life. And mm-hmm. and even when there's like not a like uh, an active um, person like represented in, in the movie against you, it's it's still a struggle. And uh, it's all all these, you know, personal stories ra- rather than like the the like kind of outside world that they is that that's kind of like removed from this story uh but it, but just told in those kind of moments you were mentioning earlier there Elliot with the like the little vignettes of starting off really light and you know mm-hmm. getting us all uh you know uh vulnerable w- through laughter <laughs> and then suddenly mm-hmm. being like and here's the heavy stuff <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that one of my favorite um, pieces of like that encapsulates what you're talking about, Kylie, and what you're getting at, Rich, is um, I love that bit where Oliver gets a call from Hal and, and he's like, Oliver, I'm I'm not sorry I woke you. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I went to the club. What kind of, they were playing this wonderful oh, that music. that is amazing. <laughs> and when he writes it down, yeah, he's like, house music. House music. House music. <laughs> It's just that's that's oh. that's pure dad, but it's also mm-hmm. just pure a pure example of how putting himself out there and mm-hmm. wanting to embrace this new lifestyle and yeah. wanting his son to be a part of it yeah, in yeah. his own way. I love that moment too, and I kind of had this as an addition to my what stuck with you when because there's all these little moments where Hal does something like that and Oliver just seems so exasperated. <laughs> and one of them is when he gives him the pride sticker. Yeah. And then he goes, this is a symbol of gay pride. And Oliver goes, everybody knows that. And he says, no, they don't. And then he says, everybody knows that. And he says, no, they don't. And to me, that's because he's saying, I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just love his insistence of like <laughs> continuing to learn and gather information yeah. and just like, you know, have his, is it a book club, his gay book club? And it's, yeah. you know, all of yeah. the, all of the things and they're, the movie, they're a movie club, movie they're club. Watching, well, movie yeah, club. They're watching Harvey Milk, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't, they, he has like a club for like also writing letters to yeah. their politicians or something. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, lots of clubs. It, it, it really watching this movie, you're just like, Oh, this looks like such a nice group of people. I yeah. I should out. join a club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I uh, one one thing. Th- this is not a point of the film, or maybe no, it's not really in involved directly. But like one takeaway I had from this watching too is just how amazingly fluid ages in mm. movies. Like like and 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 with acting, like like how characters can really go from one end of the spectrum to the other like and 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 yet there's no there was no makeup or or like huge makeup uh things but like Mm. christopher Plummer, you know in some scenes just looks like this you know uh carefree millionaire kind of guy (laughs) with this like uh you know really like nice uh nicely dressed out in the sun having a good time with his buds and then in other scenes is like, you know, dying of cancer and, and that the inner, the, like the flashing back in those like kind of four year period, 
uh, and how, um, you know, without really having to do much other than act differently, depending on what part of the story is in, it, it's, it's amazing how youthful someone can, can be and, 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 and old with, without any sort of like kind of physical physicalities mm. changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 so I, I was thinking about that a lot in, in, uh, in the kind of like performance, which he won an Oscar for and was yeah. the oldest, uh, actor. I don't know if he still is uh, yeah, or it, I, I was uh, wondering uh, that too. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. Also up that year was, uh, I forget how to say his name. Max von Cito. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. For, um, uh, extremely what was that Tom oh uh, 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 every extremely loud and terrible movie yes. great book <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah. I don't know when the right time to tell this story is so I'm just gonna tell it now because mm-hmm. it's funny but it's sad Elliot you know what story this is so I have a person in my life who longtime mentor like um incredible person and her father-in-law was close friends with Christopher Plummer mm. um and her father-in-law died recently. Um, and before his death, her mother-in-law, um, had, she was she had dementia and they were moving her out of her house, or out of their house. And Christopher Plummer called one day and said, hi, it's Chris Plummer. Like, you know, is so-and-so home? And she hung up on him and said, we didn't call a plumber. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hangs up on Christopher Plummer, Academy Award winner Christopher Plummer. It's just such a sweet and sad story that also feels yeah. so indicative of what this movie is exploring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just I've never, never forgotten that one. <laughs> That's such a good story. That's so good. We didn't call a plumber. <laughs> um. All right, let's get into the dad of it all. The dad stuff. <laughs> okay. I mean, we've talked about a lot of the dad stuff. And this, like I said, this movie is rife with dad stuff. But when it comes to how is the idea of dad relevant to this film, I mean, I went pretty, like, I think pretty obviously with it, it's Oliver and Hal and what their relationship is. And then it's also just how the dynamic shifts from uh, as soon as Hal chooses to come out and then also gets diagnosed with cancer it almost become it has Oliver becoming the dad I think he he kind of becomes the acting parent because for all intents and purposes Hal kind of hits the reset button and is like I'm gonna change my wardrobe I'm gonna I'm gonna start joining all these clubs I'm gonna do this Mm. instead of this this is my new life I need, and I'm, you know, either verbally, non-verbally gonna get you to enlist you to help me make this transition into my new life and help me look and help me find the things I want to find and, and support me in this new lifestyle and tell certain people, not tell certain people, especially when it comes to cancer, as soon as he gets his cancer diagnosis. And then like we were saying, it's the, let's not rush out and tell everyone he's charging He's charging um, Oliver with keeping that secret as well as keeping things from Andy. But then also Oliver just kind of takes on the role of having to look after his dad as his illness starts to kind of overtake more and more of Hal's life. Oliver has to take care of all of that um, and, and manage the logistics of all of that. And then after, of course, after Hal passes, it's managing everything that comes after that. 
leaving no, no real room for Oliver's grief. Like mm-hmm. it, he's kind of having to do that on his own and it doesn't seem like he is t- having any therapy or attending any therapy to help <laughs> help him manage this or get through this or give him any strategies. Like he's just kind of having to work through his grief day to day through his work, uh, the stuff he does for the sads. And then, yeah, just kind of living with it in and Arthur. But yeah, I feel like the idea of dad is the it's 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 within the those shifting sort of things like that's the kind of the thing at the forefront for me is the the that shift from child to a to parent and then kind of the inverse of that that happens mm-hmm. i think the film though does such a good job of showing like the selflessness and grace that oliver puts into loving his dad through all of that mm-hmm. um And like loving him as he changes and his like understanding of who his dad was and is changes. And Oliver seems to have a tougher time with accepting how this reframes the past and reframes his understanding of like his relationship with his mom. And this is why we keep going back to these key moments, right, of like watching his dad so dispassionately kiss his mom goodbye. And he starts to Mm -hmm. re-understand and reinterpret his childhood, their relationship through all of that. And yet he still so wholly loves his father through all of this. Yeah. There's so much complexity in that. And it doesn't, like Mike Mills doesn't uh, shift one way or the other where it's everything's okay and we don't care about the hurt in this. Neither is it, it's all hurt and we'll never forgive. Like it's, it leaves room for the complexity of what it means to be a human who both loves and gets hurt by the same people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's... That's a good that's a good way of thinking about it and it it made me think too like how does it really give Oliver uh, an opportunity to I mean I mean at least not on screen that we see to kind of adjust to and reflect on the fact that he comes out as gay and that he just needs to accept that now and that he's <laughs> moving he's changing his lifestyle and that like, but yeah, exactly. What does that mean for the relationship that he had prior with his dad prior to that? And for what that means about what he understood his dad and his mom's relationship to be and mm-hmm. how complicated that can be? I do. I agree and disagree with you there because I do think that Hal's like, this is who I am. Here you go. But he also does answer all the questions that Oliver asks him, right? Like, mm-hmm. did you love mom? Did she know? Like, And he does, I think Hal does that with a lot of grace and honesty and without like villainizing anyone himself or his mom um, Mm -hmm. and just kind of stating the facts as they were sad and beautiful, Mm -hmm. which is really, I mean, that is life, (laughs) sad (laughs) and beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like Rich, what you, what you thought about the dad stuff in it? I mean, I think, yeah, like that. Even that, like that velveteen rabbit kind of comes in there of like what, like it feels like, you know, they're getting to know each other in this new way and, you know, dealing with the, I I, I do, I did pick up on this sense of like, uh, that they had a, like he, he loved him, but, but it was a distance, Mm -hmm. uh, like a distant relationship. uh, And, uh, and that he wasn't present for a Mm -hmm. lot of his upbringing. So, so they, they know each other, but they don't really know each other. So he's still like having to ask all these like ex uh, exposition uh, kind of uh, <laughs> questions of like, 
uh, like which are very you know great for the audience, but mm-hmm. also you know that's what's happening in their relationship in the, in the in their life. And so yeah, I felt like yeah they we do we we are seeing him deal with everything very like uh, level headed and we, anything that you know happened like White Lotus uh, is like off uh, screen. Uh, I won't <laughs> talk about what uh, for spoilers, but uh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, uh, I, 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 and I don't suspect that he would have the same reaction as, as that character, but, yeah, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying there. I am curious if you're, if you have any thoughts about this, because I, I feel like not even really until reflection on this watch, did I start to actively acknowledge that this is a movie about the grief of losing a father i think i've often attached it as like one of elliot's favorite movies and mike mills Mm. is a graphic designer and elliot's a graphic Mm. designer and forgot that like oh i i have a dead dad and so this movie should speak to me in so many ways and it's interesting that extremely loud and incredibly close came up through max max boncito because that's a book i i read a ton as a teenager i used to read it about once a year and different things would speak to me every time and then after my dad died, I couldn't read the book again because it's a book about a fa- uh, son trying to connect with the gr- like his father through the grief of losing him. And the first time I finally read that book, it took me years after my dad died to finally like bring myself to read it. I just connected with it in such a different way. Um, and Rich, you said you spoke to how the first time you watched this, you it sounds like you didn't yet know what the next few months were going to be like. Mm-hmm. Watching it now does this film have different meaning to you now that you've joined the dead dad club? Yeah. 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 It's uh, uh, like all the care giving mm-hmm. aspects of it, you know, feel really similar. And, uh, uh, you know, those kind of like late night, you know, being, being there and, and, and having conversations. Um, I guess there was even an element, uh, like I, my dad successfully hid from me, until he was dying that he had smoked his whole life which is <laughs> bonkers that, that he somehow was able to hide that uh so it, it does kind of like mm. run a parallel for a similar kind of like revelation happening mm. late in, uh yeah so so it, it was interesting hearing this like news and and it also being part of the reason uh you know n- uh not that you can pinpoint but i'm i'm I'm, sh- I'm sure smoking didn't help <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh lymphoma cancer uh yeah so it's um uh yeah it, i so those those sort of things jumped out to me and I, th- I think it did a really good job of kind of going through the the stages of grief without being similar to the kind of regrets of dying mm. uh regrets of the dying um it, it wasn't like very formally structured, so it didn't like have the different like here it is in five acts <laughs> for yeah. both mm-hmm. resolution and and the five uh, regrets. But 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 it, you you could see like different lines lending themselves to those those moments. Yeah, no, totally. Um, when I was thinking of you know the question of like who is the the dad character in this, I mean I mean for me the dad in this is Oliver. Like he is a caretaker. He takes responsibility for his dad, but he also just through like listening to the things that the two of you have been saying, like he also takes the opportunity to 
wanting to get to know his dad and experience life with his dad and be a a bigger part of his dad's life, both pre and post cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think that that's, I think that that's really special. And I think that that, I think that can go parent or child side of just wanting to learn more about these people in your life that raised you or that you did raise. And I think that, Oliver choosing to be an active participant in his dad's life and not just being like, you're changing who like you're, you're telling me you're gay and you want to change your whole lifestyle and your whole life around. And like, you want me to help facilitate that? Like, I think for some people it might be easier for them to just like fuck off and not really care about their parent and wanting to support them and all of that. But the fact that Oliver he he kind of sets his own boundaries, whether spoken or not, but like he wants to be an active part of his dad's life. And I think that that, I feel like that's a really great dad quality that I would like. And and that mm-hmm. is, is really nice to have is, is somebody that does is responsible and will look after me, but also actively wants to encourage me to do the things that I love to do and be a part of the things I love to be a part of. And yeah, I, I think that that's what makes a, a rad dad. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have other thoughts of who you think the, the dad of the film are? No, Arthur, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, just, no, I, just I, I agree. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a, a movie about like shifting kind of shifting dad roles. And, um, yeah, I, I, I everything you said there, that, that, that sounds great. Yeah. Nice. Anything else on just the idea of dad in the film? No. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I'm not gonna come in with a hard uh, <laughs> Siskel. Be like, actually, <laughs> this is the correct interpretation. Yeah. Um, this the real been... dad is that Mercedes car he's driving around in the whole time. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is we talked about some really great things in deep dough on some really great thoughts. Um, so let's button it with what will you carry with you from from this film after watching it this time, Rich. What will you carry with you? Um, not to repeat any of the million things that we've said <laughs> about this film. Uh, one one thing that I I did also take away that I, I that I, I'm gonna remember from this watch was how effective showing the character doing what they do in a movie is. Just so nice for getting into like that scene in her when when you show him reading one of the cards that he's written uh mm-hmm. and like and in 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 her and in this movie it also gives you a nice like window into a narration of how they're feeling and and because this movie it's all visual like the all those scenes where he's drawing how he's feeling and and just like you know three words and then a, a nice little drawing which which i guess uh mike mills is a visual like uh, like as an illustrator and uh and he taught ewan mcgregor to draw us i i think ewan mcgregor drew those in the movie and uh, under the supervision or instruction <laughs> of uh, mike mills but but basically yeah like having these like these really or or maybe mike drew the started them off and then he's like all right just put some hair here and they'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just shoot on the hair part but like that those moments were really nice to like see just like uh you know another way to 
kind of like avoid just the voiceover for like the mm-hmm. inner monologue. I think that's I think that's really great. We actually have um I think you I think you got it for me. It's a uh, a hardcover of all of the drawings from this film. And oh it, wow. It's just like a collection Amazing. of them. It's nice. it's so great. Yeah, it's on display on one of our shelves. One yeah. of the many many bookshelves in this. I place. love that you yeah. have two different sets of things displayed. We yeah, we somehow end up with this role and like, oh, we have like three portrait of a lady on fire things on display. When Amazing. did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, I, we have- I've my my most exciting one like that is I I'm not sure if you guys saw A24 advertising this, but we got that. We too. got it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's by a very beautiful um, felt rec- recreation of our cat that a former student made me. We have them oh, I love each it. on a on either end of a little brick that says Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. We have the beginner's poster in the entrance. Then we have the beginner's book on display on a shelf of ours. And then we have a come on, come on book as like a coffee table book. Of Amazing. the il- illustrations of, from like, the set. Illustrations. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, we like Mike Mills and the stuff he does. A little bit and too H- much. And A twenty four knows what we like, so we just yeah, we just give buy them all, it all our up. money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll bring in a twentieth century women poster when I come out to Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> I I really need to rewatch twentieth century women because that's the one that spoke to me the most, and I haven't seen oh, it so in good. years. Yeah, I love 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 that. And yeah, yeah. I've yeah. only seen all of them once, so this is my second time. This is only my first time seeing rewatching one so i'm gonna go through the catalog now go through them again yeah yeah hell yeah highly what about you okay what will i carry with me um it's so interesting because i i know i already said this but i'm just going to reiterate it i've often thought of this as a romance film and Mm. we have barely talked about anna (laughs) we have very we have stuck Mm. to the the dad and the grief of it as appropriate for our show but in watching it this time and in thinking about it and in preparing to talk to you both about it I think what this film does so beautifully is show that quietly show the tension that existed in Oliver's parents' relationship and how that has impacted his pursuit of relationship and connection in his life, both for better and for worse, Mm -hmm. Um, through like the flashbacks, the way he reinterprets memory, even the insight into Anna's relationship with her father. This film shows how much courage it takes to seek connection when we have been shown how wrong it can go and how much it can hurt. Mm-hmm. And that any part of the romance of this film is about the courage to continue to try and to not repeat the patterns that we've seen in our lives. And I think that, of course, Oliver takes inspiration from Hal breaking that cycle first, mm-hmm. like with Andy, with his dating ad, you know, with everything mm-hmm. that Hal does in those last five years of his life. But that, Oliver still needs to find the courage to do that himself. And I think it's a pretty ubiquitous thing for us all to carry the hurts that we've seen in our parents' lives. And it's really hard work to seek things out knowing we can get hurt in that way. And I'm going to carry that with me that it's powerful and important to break those cycles and be courageous in that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's really good. You should have gone last. I thought about but, it, but I was like, would that be rude to say I should go last <laughs> because I'm so smart? <laughs> that's that's really good. That's really beautiful. I like that a Thank lot. Thank you. Um, yeah, for me, like what I'll carry with me is uh, just the responsibility and the complexity of the weight family can put on you. I mean, we've talked about that a lot of just how it can be. It can it can be a real it can be a burden sometimes, but it can also be really beautiful 
at the same time. And, you know, I've mentioned it a few times, but just the, the weight of the responsibility that Oliver has to, has to shoulder for his entire family, for his whole life, um, from childhood up until adulthood, but then also choosing to make that decision, you know, not just, not just like a, I have to look after or I have to be a part of my dad's life, but choosing to be a part of my dad's life and, and, and seeing yeah. the beauty in that and the love and the care that exists there. Um, and I also, the, what I'll carry with me is I finally feel like I have a better understanding of why this is called beginners. <laughs> I always kind of struggled with that. Um, but it's, it's, this movie's all about beginnings. It's all about how starting this new chapter of his life. It's about at the end, like I always found the ending. I couldn't grasp fully that scene of them just sitting on the bed, staring at each other of like, what do like, what do we do now? But it's like very similar to the end of Pleasantville, I might add. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The final line, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, just the fact that Oliver has kind of come to peace with the fact that he's gotten over his grief or has taken a massive step in the next stage of his grief. Um, and that him and also the character of Anna, like realizing that she's also take, willing to take the next step in her life and both of them kind of finding that space together. And we don't get to know what the next step is, but it seems it, it seems by the end that they're willing to take that next step together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in some capacity. Yeah, I want to quickly add that whenever I watch something that Mike Mills has done and I, and I haven't seen Thumbsucker since I was, is it Thumbsucker? Thumbsucker, Thumbsucker yeah. Um, yeah. In so long, but in thinking of Come On, Come On, 20th Century Women um, and Beginners, there's so much autobiographical work within this. um, And I think I've often felt ashamed that my own writing is always autobiographical. It's always about my upbringing. It's always about my parents. It's always about my life and how the stuff with them has informed who I am now. And when I watch Mike Mills films, I feel inspired that our own stories can matter, that like Mm -hmm. creative nonfiction can be a singularly unique and yet connectable piece of art. Um, And I come away from that being like, yeah, my, the stories that I write maybe do have weight. Mm. So it's very, Mm -hmm. very nice for me. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say that very well, but (laughs) Mike Mills is, it's very nice for me. Thank you, Mike Mills. (laughs) No, right, right, right. What you know, you know? Yeah. I uh, I teach creative writing and my students all come away being like, I used to write fantasy and now I write creative nonfiction. Thanks, Burton. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you just show them that scene from Adaptation <laughs> every class. So. I do make them watch the, um, uh, what is it called? The national film that Mike Mills does did. I'm easy to find. I'm easy to find. We study, mm. we study mm. that in creative writing 30. So yeah, good. It's really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Nice. Guys, this was this was fun. Yeah, I, this is super fun. I love long this. time coming. Yeah, I love this <laughs> yeah. film so much, and I'm so glad that that you picked it, Rich. This was this was really fun. I'm glad we got to deep dive on it. Like I said, it's one of my favorites, and I'm glad that I'm glad that it resonates with all of us in our very individual ways, but in a way that all that it just makes us so happy and warm in our little hearts. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Um, yeah, thanks where, so much. Do you uh, have anything that you want to share with the folks or where they can find you? Where they oh, can find, um, find your music? Yeah. Just 
just on the just on the usual spots on the internet. <laughs> the uh, usual spots on the internet. I usual think spots. We have to share your spots. amazing video with all of the movie references. In oh it. yes, yeah. Because if people haven't seen it, they need to see it. Yeah, yeah. we'll put a. That we'll, was a lot of fun. We'll put a link to it. It's a it's a song called It. It's a mm-hmm. it's very well done. It's excellent. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I I remember when we made it. I I I was thinking like, how amazing would it be if there was a like a an amusement park that basically gave other people the experience that I got to have <laughs> in that music video of just, you know, walking up to a set that people had already built to be uh, Princess Bride or mm. uh, Die Hard or um, Top Gun or um, uh, there's 10 other <laughs> movies. In the, and and, and, and it, for me, it felt a lot like a, a, an amusement park ride because I was getting whisked from set to set mm. while they built the other sets and and then i'm just like walking on and it's like this looks exactly like taxi driver (laughs) (laughs) that's so good that's that's such a cool idea like just having like almost like escape room-esque if they had a bunch of rooms like they had a diehard room and they had a ghostbusters room (laughs) and you could just go pay your money and they would you could you could choose Mm -hmm. like from three different scenes and you could reenact those scenes just live in that world That'd be, yeah. that'd be really fun. Hey, that's yeah. the, that's a million dollar idea right there. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's great. But thank yeah. thank you thank you again so much, Rich. We really appreciate you coming. Yeah, on thanks the show. a lot for having me. Yeah, yeah, this was fun. Thank you, and thank you to everyone for listening. Um, we drop a new episode of our regular show every Thursday. You can follow us and slide into our DMs on Instagram at baddad.raddad. You can get a sneak peek at what we've been watching on our individual Letterboxd accounts. And uh, we'll also put links to where you can find some of Rich's stuff on online, as well as that music video we mentioned. Um, and we would absolutely love you forever if you could drop us a rating, review, or follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. But that is going to do it for these beginners this week. So until next time. <laughs> I'm Kylie, and my dad's dead. I'm Elliot, and my dad's a deadbeat. But remember, not all dads have to be bad. Bye.